2: Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
4: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Daily Roto Hour here on SportsGrid TV. You also might be listening to this on the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Davis Matic. You guys can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddock. I'm joined today by Colin Drew. We are doing another live draft in the Best Ball Mania Championship on Underdog Fantasy. Uh, this time, we are not drafting straight off of the projections. Colin, I, I got to say, I did go in and look, and uh, you're right. I was too high On Tariq Cohen. So we have we have hashtag adjusted the ranks on on Tariq Cohen. Yeah,
5: it's always good to to sanity check yourself a little bit. Uh, We've got pick 1.4 here, which I don't know if you've done any studies as far as like the win rates and things like that. But it feels like this year, the 1.4 is the worst spot to pick because if you pick in the top three, you get CMC, Zeke, Saquon. If you pick at the back end, potentially you get two really good guys. You You get Miles Sanders, Joe Mixon potentially at the turn if you get lucky. But you pick 1.4, you don't really get one of those top three guys. You're probably not getting a stud running back on the way back either. So I went with Dalvin Cook. I think you can make an argument for Cook, Kamara, Derrick Henry, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire there. But um I just went with Cook for the half PPR scoring format. Uh, how do you feel about 1.4 overall? Where would you prefer to pick in these drafts?
4: No, I think I think that any of the first five slots to me are all plus EV slots. You know, and I would pretty much rank them. In order, you know, I'd rather, I'd most like to have the first pick. If after that, I would like the second, then the third, then the fourth, then the fifth, because you know I do think that McCaffrey, Barkley, Elliott, Cook, and Kamara are pretty much well. CMC is in a tier of his own. Then those four guys, and then I think that there's another tier break to Clyde Edwards-Helaire and Miles Sanders, who make up that second tier for me. So I I mostly like to pick in the first six spots because that guarantees that I get a running back that I like. And then at 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, you're really flipping coins depending on who you're drafting with if you can get Clyde Edwards-Hilaire or Miles Sanders.
6: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. You know, CMC definitely a tier of his own. I almost feel like Saquon's in his own mini tier just because I feel like the bell cow usage for him is safest. I think with Zeke, there's at least a little bit of concern if Pollard eventually eats into more passing down work than he did last year. Derrick Henry, obviously not super involved in the past game, and you're drafting him basically at like peak career performance. Uh, Kamara is PPR dominant, but in a half PPR format, you saw last year that if the touchdown variance doesn't go his way, that it can really hurt his ceiling. Um, and then Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is just, uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess since we last did this draft, one of the news items that came out was that Darrell Williams was running with the first-team offense, and I don't think that's a giant red flag. It's, it's training camp, and they're not just going to start the rookie there immediately, but it does at least make you wonder like how long they would go into the season before kind of shifting towards like a more dominant snap share for him.
4: Uh, I mean, I, I think that the projection for Clyde Edwards, probably shouldn't change that much in terms of the first month of the season. If he ends up being ahead of the schedule, you know, if he's blowing the socks off of everyone over the first couple weeks, you know, I think that period where Daryl Williams or Deandre Washington is sharing work with him is going to evaporate quickly if Clyde edwards is making some mistakes in pass protection or whatever, you know, I, I, I think that, um, you know, it's more like six weeks. But I don't think the difference between Daryl and Damien is all that large in terms of that role.
6: Yeah. Yeah. And I guess as a zero RB target, I know, like, DeAndre Washington, I think, was somebody that you were drafting maybe late in some of these drafts. But um, is Daryl Williams entering as, like, a last-round RB candidate for you at this point? Or is that just... It's, you know, one week of practice, one small report, and it's not really worth uh, taking them there.
4: No, I I think it definitely is. Uh, Actually, in all of the dynasty leagues that you and I are in together, uh, we just had waivers processed last night, and I just bid and got Daryl Williams in all the leagues where he was available. I think that the news report that he was running with the ones, even with the Andre Washington, you know, still out on the team or whatever, I think is pretty significant because that's, well, it mostly shows that they view Daryl ahead of Darwin, which was the definitive news item that we needed.
6: Yeah, yeah. So we've got the 2.9 uh, pick here on the board. Tyreek Kill is still there. My guess is he'll go in one of these next picks. Aaron Jones, Chris Godwin, Julio Jones, James Conner, Melvin Gordon. Um, do you have any? I, I think assuming Tyreek doesn't fall down there, is, is your preference usually in the spot to go with the RB or just take the best player available?
4: Um, so I like Julio and Godwin here because those are guys who are attached to quarterbacks who aren't super expensive. So in that eight, nine, ten round range, you're able to take Matt Ryan or Tom Brady. Also, I found that on the under and on Underdog with their ADP. The Tampa Bay quad stack is actually pretty easy to do the way ADP shake out. So I, I actually would give the edge to Godwin there.
6: Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, Julio usually goes to he's a guy that doesn't typically linger. Godwin's a guy that usually does linger. I find if I'm drafting in like the 3-4 spot, I usually end up with Godwin on the board. We have him slightly ahead of DeAndre Hopkins. It is cheaper to stack with Godwin. Um, and like you said, the the double stack or triple stack is viable there too. So uh, Godwin is on the board here. We did have Julio, Terry Hill, DeAndre Hopkins go just before us. Um, so it made the pick selection pretty easy. And then Aaron Jones was the guy that went the pick after us. I think it w- if I wasn't going to go wide receiver, it would have been a coin flip kind of between Aaron Jones and James Conner with that other pick.
4: Yeah, uh, and James Conner, you can sometimes get him there in the third round. One of the cases where he is more expensive on underdogs than he is on other sites. You know, sometimes you can get James Conner in the mid to late third on the FFPC and some of these other, uh, you know, some of these other sites. And the the fact that tight ends don't score as well in this format is kind of why he ends up going earlier, because, you know, uh, Mark Andrews and Zach Ertz never go this early in that format. So we have uh, started our draft. With our foundational running back, we took Dalvin Cook and then we added in a top notch wide receiver, in Chris Godwin, basically. Pretty much, this is like the magic formula to fantasy drafts in 2020. You get your one anchor running back, and then you can just take the guys at every position after that who you expect to score the most points and who project the best stacking options. So we'll be looking at guys like Mike Evans later. We'll be looking at Tom Brady, obviously. But uh, we are going to go ahead and head into break here real quick on the Daily Roto Hour. When we return, we will continue our live underdog
3: Best Ball Mania Championship draft. sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com
0: if you love sports and true crime then there's a new podcast from executive producer dan patrick and hosted by me jay harris that you won't want to miss
2: And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Store on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're watching SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Hello,
4: everyone, and welcome back from break here on the Daily Roto Hour on Sports Grid TV. My name is Davis Maddock. I am joined by Colin Drew today as we continue our series of underdog best ball mania championship drafts, doing live drafts to kind of talk about ADPs, risers, fallers, and, all, you know, overall team construction this year in fantasy football. Uh, are we on the clock in the third or have we already selected?
5: Yeah, we just made our selection. We got another running back. Uh, James Conner did fall to 3.4. It was a decision between... Him, Kenny Galladay, Juju Smith-Schuster. I've drafted a ton of Juju already in these drafts, so I think that was one of the decisions for me.
4: Yeah, so was Mike Evans already off the board? Had he gone before the 304?
5: Yeah, he did go early, and I was definitely leaning towards Evans if we would be able to kind of set up that double stack, but um, probably not going to be able to do it with Evans. I think the other option is to double stack with Tampa. You can do it with Rob Gronkowski at the tight end position. Um, If you want to go there or you can do it really late, if you want to take like your second tight end, OJ Howard, in the last round of some drafts, he falls that deep. So I think we're still live for a double stack with Tampa. um, But like you said, TB12 is pretty cheap in these drafts right now. So uh, a single stack with him and Godwin, if he becomes like the Julian Edelman type preferred target, wouldn't be the worst thing in the world.
4: Yeah. And we got that report actually from Peter King earlier in the week that Rob Gronkowski might be third on the team in tight end snaps with O.J. Howard kind of as the primary first and second down tight end. Cam Brate playing a ton of the uh, blocking snaps, basically, you know, kind of like a like a Dalton Schultz for the Cowboys or whatever, you know, a guy who's not targeted at all, but who is out there to block. And I so. You know, I don't really think it's a death knell for Gronk, basically. Like, I think that's reported sort of saying Gronk is only out there when he's going to be targeted. Kind of like Mark Andrews for the Ravens, actually.
5: Yeah, I think that's a pretty good comparison. Um, And I don't know with, like, this frame Gronk. I mean, he was always a good blocker. Um, And I don't know with this frame Gronk if he's going to be the same level of blocker. Like, Bray playing ahead of him doesn't matter because Bray's snaps aren't going to mean anything. So... Uh, like you said, like the, you know, if Gronk's not getting snaps in the short yardage running game stuff, I don't think that is the end of the world. Um, but I do think it makes OJ Howard a really intriguing option just because the talent is definitely there um, and they can play a lot of two tight end sets and he's going super late in these drafts right now.
4: Yeah. I, uh, so, so when, when drafting Tom Brady and, uh, not getting Gronkowski, I or even with Gronkowski, either way, but I, I, I do not mind taking OJ Howard 16th, 17th, 18th round. I think that uh, it, it's maybe one of the more unique ways because looking looking at these prices, you know, I actually think the Bucks are going to be ending up one of the teams that I stack the most on underdog, probably, <laughs> which
5: which is interesting. I mean, they were the team that was because I didn't the most even like that last year. We stacked them the most too with, with Jameis. Yeah. Um, I mean, you just I mean, it'll be really interesting to see what the offense does and whether or not they need to be as aggressive as they were last year. I think that's like the the caution flag potentially is if they're more efficient. Maybe they're not quite as good for fantasy as they were last year, but um, we'll see how that shakes out. Yeah, I, I, I mean, think we're regardless, OJ rooting Howard,
4: the, we're, we're rooting against the Buccaneers defense, right? We need the Buccaneers defense to have, uh, you know, very similar outputs to what they did last year, I think.
5: Yeah. I think regardless, I mean, O.J. Howard ends up being, especially if you start with a high draft capital tight end like Travis Kelsey, like waiting for O.J. Howard as your second guy makes a, a lot of sense right now.
4: Yeah, I, I definitely like that. And we didn't even really talk about it, but I thought the James Conner pick made great sense, you know, keeps us from taking guys in the running back dead zone. Our projections are pretty high on him, just thinking that it's very likely that in, in at least until he gets injured, he's just going to play the same role he did when healthy last year.
5: So at, at the 4.9, we're going to have a choice between Dave Montgomery, Mark Ingram, and Tyler Lockett or DJ Chark here. I don't think we're quite, or Cooper Cup, I guess, would be the other wide receiver. We're not quite at the dead zone, but do you take a running back here or do you go with a uh, wide receiver?
4: Yeah, I think we go Lockett or Shark. Uh, Shark is the more stackable guy. Lockett is the guy who's a little bit better for best ball due to the spiked week. So don't no no real preference between the two of those guys
5: yeah yeah, I went with Lockett. I feel safer with it and I think the upside season is pretty similar. It, it wouldn't be the most shocking thing if the jag's absolutely tanked. So um that was just the tiebreaker between those two guys. I don't think either of them would have been a really bad pick. Um, and like you said, it's easier to stack with shark, but a little bit more question marks there too.
4: uh yeah, I mean, if the like if the Jaguars absolutely tank this season, uh it's gonna be probably bad for me because our rankings are pretty high on shark and chenault and actually the fact that gardner Minshew adds a little bit of rushing does mean that he's a little bit higher in our projections on sports grid than uh, you know than the average ranking or whatever so I, I i'm hoping that the jaguars are down 14 points at every halftime and they throw 45 passes a game that'd be pretty ideal
5: Yeah, at the 5.4, I was really hoping DK Metcalf would have fallen there because that's another way you can set up the double stack. But he did get sniped before we were able to pick again. So we're going to have a pretty similar choice as far as running backs. David Montgomery is still going to be on the board. Cam Akers types are on the board or shoring up another wide receiver position with Cooper Cup. Um, Is is DeAndre
4: Swift gone already?
5: DeAndre Swift just went, yeah. So it's, it's Montgomery, Singletary, Akers at running back, Kareem Hunt at running back, or Cooper Cup at wide receiver.
4: Uh, yeah, I mean, I would lean Cup there again. You have good, pretty good stack equity with Jared Goff and also Tyler Higby in like the ninth round sets up the double stack there and we don't have to invest too much in quarterback. And uh, DeAndre Swift is my new favorite guy in the fifth round. After reading these training camp reports for the first couple of days, I think the chances of Swift being a league winning player have really increased in my mind like over this last week.
5: Yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, was there any specific report? Is it is it more performance based or is it about like role and not really being as worried about Carrion Johnson maintaining like a, a healthy amount of the Russian workload?
4: So Carrion Johnson hurt his knee about ten months ago now. He's still wearing a gigantic brace. There's been a couple pictures and videos of him just wearing this brace that honestly probably weighs more than I do. Like it's absolutely <laughs> massive. And then all of the beats are saying, like, it's just pretty much all Swift with the first team. Uh, hasn't had any flubs in pass protection, has been catching passes. And, yeah, I mean, it just basically seems like on Johnson is a handcuff at this point and not a guy who's going to work a ton with the first yeah. team.
5: Yeah, I mean, that would definitely be sick if it was true. Um, I always get concerns with, like, Matt Patricia just coming from, like, the right. Belichick tree of whether or not they'll actually utilize someone like an alpha. But um, I think two running backs in that offense were potentially going to be viable anyways. So I think you're drafting, if you're drafting Swift there, you kind of have like a decent workload regardless. And then you do have like the upside to smash if he does end up getting like the alpha thing. So I think that you're kind of drafting that, the median, but the ceiling, like you said, is potentially a lot higher.
4: Yeah. Like, so for example, I've moved him ahead of Cam Akers. I was drafting Cam Akers ahead of, deandre swift for a lot of the offseason i've flip-flopped that now and also i've moved jk dobbins out of this range entirely i've moved i've moved dobbins into like the uh tony pollard boston scott deandre washington level of guys where i basically you any production you get in the first eight weeks of the season is kind of a bonus
5: yeah so mark ingram probably another guy that i mean massive touchdown upside showed that last year A guy that you're probably a little bit higher on now than you were a week or two ago if you're moving dobbins down the board
4: uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, always not saying gross. you're going to take him
5: in the third round, but just like higher yeah. than you were before. Yeah.
4: Well, it just feels so gross to take a 34 year old running, but I don't actually think he's 34, but he's over the age, he's <laughs> over the age of 30. Uh, you know, even last season when he crushed, he still wasn't playing 50% of the snaps. Like I, there, there are a lot of ways where all of the running backs there end up being bad for best ball. If their touchdowns are kind of, you know, we week, weeks one through six, it's one guy Week 6 through 12, it's another guy. Then maybe Justice Hill, Gus Edwards. Like, There's just a lot of ways it can get messy there. Yeah.
5: Yeah, I would say the other guy I've been taking a little bit more, um, and I don't think this is going to happen, but I do think it's in the range of outcomes, is Dave Montgomery at running back kind of in that fifth round. Uh, I think, I mean, you saw with Tennessee and Derrick Henry what happened if the offense improved a little bit. They were able to get into better game scripts. And so you could sell yourself on Montgomery having – that opportunity if the Chicago offense is able to improve a little bit with Foles at quarterback, get a little bit more efficient, get into better game scripts, maybe get rebound defensively to where they were a couple seasons ago, and he could end up, you know he's going to get like 250 carries, and so he could end up like a 300-touch guy with a better offense. He could stumble into like 10 or 12 touchdowns on the upside. So he's the other guy that I think, um, not a sexy pick, but does have some upside in the fifth round.
4: But we did take Cup there, correct?
5: Yes, we took Cup. yeah.
4: Okay, so we have some very good stacking options coming in for us, you know, kind of rounds eight, nine, ten, eleven. And, uh, you know, I think that's very important to set up and to be thinking about while you are drafting. Uh, So we are going to go ahead and head into another break here on the Daily Roto Hour on Sports Grid TV. When we return, we are going to continue building out this Best Ball Mania championship team on Underdog Fantasy, hoping to rack up a couple stacks. Uh, put together a team that we think can go ahead and win that first place $200,000. See you guys in a few moments.
3: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
2: And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Hello, everyone, and welcome back from break here on the Daily Roto Hour on SportsGrade TV. I am Davis Maddox, joined by Colin Drew as we live draft an underdog best ball mania fantasy football championship team trying to uh, gather in our stacks we are here on the clock in the sixth round and uh, what direction are we going here Colin
5: yeah there's a couple guys I think we're hoping to get Michael Gallup here um, if he's still on the board at the wide receiver position that would be your fourth wide receiver uh, really strong foundational start there along with cheap stacking options so Gallup's our preferred target if he's not there it's probably Jarvis Landry or Brandon Cooks
4: yeah, uh, I think that I think that sounds about right. Another, you know, another, uh, you know, another, op- another reason, another argument for drafting early on in the fantasy football season is pretty much every day. Michael Gallup gets a little bit more expensive. And there was a long time there in the off season, uh, you know, where you could get Michael Gallup in the eighth round, basically. And, uh, you know, you're you're having to pay you're having to pay ceiling costs to get Gallup now, even if we still kind of like him at this cost.
5: Yeah, I think that's definitely true. Um I would say one of the things that's happening now, you're definitely getting some worse drafts as well, just because there are some news items that have happened that should impact players in their standings. You know, someone just took AJ Green when we took Michael Gallup. And so I, I think, you know, you do get some of the people who are just kind of drafting off like the ADP list and stuff like that. Now that news is starting to shift people around drafts a little bit. So I guess that's the benefit of going kind of now. Um, but you, you don't have quite as much baked in upside if you hit like the, the totally perfect draft.
4: Yeah, I, I definitely think that's true. So here through six rounds, we have taken Dalvin Cook. We have taken Chris Godwin. We have taken James Conner. We took Tyler Lockett. uh Uh, we took Cooper Cup in the fifth round we've taken Michael Gallup here in the sixth round so uh, definitely we are looking at uh, Tom Brady and Jared Goff probably as our two quarterbacks which sets up Rob Gronkowski and Tyler Higbee as two pretty solid tight end options coming up for us here
5: yeah and I was hoping maybe Tevin Coleman would fall he was kind of the last running back that I felt like was not reaching at 7.4 but he went the pick before us so Added more depth at the wide receiver position with Jarvis Landry. Um, not the the sexiest name on there, but I do like him better than Julian Edelman. A little bit better, safer at least, than Deontay Johnson. And I do think that Landry has maybe a little bit underrated upside. He also is another guy that gives like a cheap stacking option because Baker Mayfield goes pretty late in these drafts, often like 12th round or later.
4: Um, yeah, so the the interesting thing with Landry is obviously he does have some pretty great upside if Odell Beckham is toast. If Odell Beckham misses time, if the Browns end up being more pass heavy than the market expects, you know, basically what the market is telling us right now with the ADPs on Chubb, Hunt, Beckham and Landry is we expect this team to run the ball a ton. So if that calculus ends up being wrong, I think there's loads of upside for Jarvis Landry um, seems like the offseason hip surgery is not really going to be that big of a complication. He's already doing drills and everything on the side. And, uh, you know, again, we have that uh, that make that a little bit of added stack equity if we somehow get sniped here. And with uh, five wide receivers, we can pretty much focus on quarterbacks, tight ends and zero RB targets. You know, we don't have to sweat wide receiver that hard for the rest of the draft.
5: Yeah, definitely, because I think we've got some guys super late that we like. The upside on too. Um, I think the other guy that potentially we could have taken there if we didn't have some cheap stack options built in would have been Russ Wilson at 7.4. Definitely that's around the range where I'm comfortable taking him. And we have we have Lockett. If we had managed to get Metcalf earlier when it came back, I think it would have been a no brainer to go with Russ in that scenario. This one I would have been fine with. Um, and maybe that'll be, <laughs> maybe we'll regret that if we get sniped later. But I think we have enough options to stack later that it's not the worst thing in the world.
4: Yeah. So for this upcoming uh, swing where we pick at eight, nine, I like going uh, Higby and then Gronkowski, or maybe maybe Gronkowski and then Brady. Um, but but uh, I think that Gronk, Higby, uh, Brady, and Goff should kind of be the plan for our next four picks, kind of depending on how we expect things to go.
5: Yeah. Yeah. I still feel like it might be a little reachy on Gronk, just given what you were talking about. Um, right. But hopefully. Hopefully Higby's there. His ADP is ninety four point three, so I think it's likely he'll be there. And then we probably have to reach a little bit on Tom Brady, just based on where we would end up picking. If I think there's no doubt that he'll be available for our next pick, which would be the fourth pick of the or we'll go, you know, Higby hopefully in the eighth round. Brady will definitely be there in the ninth round, but I don't know if he'd make it all the way back to us in the 10th. So if we do want Brady, I think that would be a spot where we need to reach a little bit.
4: Yeah. uh, I, I tend to see like, that's kind of what happens in these drafts where Brady and Ryan specifically end up being guys who obviously this makes no sense, but it feels like they almost always go higher than their ADP based on completing the stacks, you know, kind of the sharper the draft, the more likely you are to see, uh, you know, instead of the 10th round, the quarterback goes in the ninth round basically to uh, to close the, the stack loop.
5: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would I would say that probably like 25 or 35 percent of the field is thinking about stacks and the rest yeah. probably aren't. But it's, it has become a more popular talking point this year than it was last year when we were kind of operating in the similar mentality.
4: Definitely. Um. And I, I saw also a note on Higby. He was a guy that I started out year you know not being particularly high on and kind of just looking into things a little bit more this was something that our buddy pat corain noted is that for for kind of higby's last two seasons he's not been like overly productive until that stretch last year but he was a guy who was targeted a really high percentage of the time when he was on the field like relative to his snaps into his routes run he was targeted a ton and i i don't really see much of an impediment to him playing a ton this year basically so i'm i'm more into higby now than i was you know kind of back in april and june
5: yeah do you worry at all about any like negative correlation between cup and higby as far as um like if they utilize three wide receivers then obviously cup is going to have like a smash roll if they just go two, then cup not not a reduced role, but not quite as much upside and you know that would mean two tight ends so i don't know if there's negative correlation between those two guys That's a, a concern or if it's just like you want the whole offense to do well, so it's not going to matter anyways.
4: I think the only guy who isn't negatively correlated there is actually Robert Woods, but I think that I do think that uh, Cup and Higbee negatively correlate with each other a little bit because so much of their production we expect to come from touchdowns. I think I think Josh Reynolds and um, Tyler Higbee are the most negatively correlated players. Where yeah. if Reynolds plays a ton. That means Higby's not going to play a ton. If Higby plays a ton, that means Reynolds is going to kind of go back to a reserve role. So I would kind of avoid taking those two guys. But, I mean, Reynolds is so cheap that it doesn't really matter. Like, you can get Reynolds with your 17th round pick, basically. Yeah.
5: So we did grab Tyler Higby at 8.9. I think we talked a little bit about the situation. I think if we didn't have um, Rams potentially setting up here with a cheap cost stack later, we might not have made that move. But it did make sense trying to set up that stack. A guy I don't think I've drafted unless I'm trying to stack him just because we have him as a guy that maybe should be going like a round or two later as far as just overall ADP.
4: Uh yeah. I mean so for these tight ends in general, um, kinda other than Gesicki, I, I just really prefer them in stacks. So you Noah know, Fant, TJ Hawkinson, and then and then, you know, Austin Hooper. Uh, Hayden Hurst, like those guys are, I would only ever take them in stacking situations. I would never take uh, Hayden Hurst unstacked without Matt Ryan. That's just kind of, like I think those guys are are very low upside unless you were trying to make the correlated bet in their offense. Higby, Higby, I prefer stacked, but I will do it out of a stack every once in a while. Yeah,
5: and then I I think we both feel like we're going to reach on Tom Brady here. Um, at nine point four, he he's not going to last to us in the tenth round
4: uh yeah i mean that that's i i think i think you take brady here and then i think that we hope for gronkowski and uh but we we would much rather lock up the we would much rather lock up um the the quarterback stack than add in the tight end and gamble on the quarterback basically
5: yeah yeah and i think we we can backdoor it with oj howard pretty late if we want because we did invest a decently high pick in higby
4: Correct. Yeah. And so, so I think our, our dream for the next turn is Gronk and Goff. It's going to be cutting it pretty close with Gronkowski. You know, I, I've seen, certainly I've seen drafts where Hawkinson, uh, Jasicki and Fant go ahead of him. I've seen Gronkowski go ahead of all of them. And it, it we are kind of going to be at mercy of the room, depending on what they decide.
5: Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes sense. And Goff is, that would be a pretty like efficient ADP for him. We might again reach a little bit but I think both of us are okay to reach for with stacking just because I think we we view it as such a fundamentally important thing that being a round off on where a guy should be drafted is really you're not reach like you don't need that much value out of your draft.
4: I mean because the the whole idea with the stacking is that those correlated bets are going to return an investment far greater than the average selection at that draft slot and so, While you are certainly, like, if you were to put these teams into a draft grader or whatever, you know, that that tries to estimate how much value is coming out of every selection, the stacked teams are going to look worse. But our expectation is that actually at the end of the season, the stacked teams are going to provide a far greater return on investment because the easiest way in fantasy sports to generate positive EV is to find ways to make correlated bets.
5: Yeah. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And it's, you know, we're doing that in DFS all the time. We're generating lineups that are projected for lower uh, just based on the correlation there. So definitely makes sense. Uh, I know you mentioned the Tampa stack is one that you find yourself value wise getting a lot. What are the other stacks that you feel like you have the most exposure to?
4: Um, So, you know, obviously you have to work hard to get this one, but the Cowboy stack where you take Amari in the third, you take Dak in the fifth round and you take Gallup in the sixth round. That's probably one of my most drafted. Also, Shark in the fourth, Minshew in the 13th, Chenault in the 14th, that is another one. And then, weirdly enough, just kind of the way my drafts have fallen is the Tennessee stack where you take A.J. Brown in the third or fourth round. Uh, then you're able to take Jonu Smith very late. You are able to take Ryan Tannehill really late. You were able to take Corey Davis, I mean... Last pick of the draft type type stuff, and that that actually when I get sniped on my expensive stack, you know whether that be Cardinals, whether that be Chiefs, you know whoever, I end up finding that the backdoor Tennessee Titans stack is one that uh, is is easy to build, and I can definitely talk myself into okay, well the Titans get worse on offense, that means they have to throw more passes. Theoretically, they actually have a very narrow tree because they don't have that many good skill position players. You know they they're going to dedicate most of their targets to. For guys but uh, we are going to go ahead and head into break here real quick on the daily rota hour when we return we are going to try and close out our stacks by selecting rob gronkowski and jared goff we will have to see if the draft room is kind enough to leave us those options so we will see you guys to make those picks on the other side of break
3: SportsGrid.com, betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering, real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
0: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss
2: And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Store on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Daily Roto Hour here on SportsCreative TV. I am Davis Maddock, joined by Colin Drew, as we attempt to Win the Best Ball Mania Fantasy Football Championship on the Underdog Fantasy app. We are live drafting a team now about to make our selections in the 10th and the 11th round, trying to close out some stacks. How is the board looking, Colin? Yeah,
5: we're up in three picks here right now. All their guys are still available. Gronkowski um, is the most likely one to get sniped just because there's guys drafting right before us who haven't taken a tight end yet. But I think most likely he'll still be there in two picks and then Goff, it would be a shock. if he He's being drafted like 150th overall. So uh, in the 11.4, he definitely should be available. You could even make an argument uh, that he you know, would be available later. So we actually did get sniped on Gronkowski. So we're going to miss on the double stack there. I don't think that's the end of the world. I do think that with this pick, it's still a little too early to reach on Goff. Um, yeah. So I'm going to add Alexander Madison as a running back. Zero RB selection just because... We're a little light there, and um, I, I don't love having both Cook and Madison on the team, but I think it does provide like a really like almost a guaranteed RB one, regardless of what happens. So I don't think it's the worst in the world. I don't think we've reached on the selection either. It was just a guy I would have probably taken regardless of if we had Cook or Zeke at the running back position. Um, I think the backfield can support two backs.
4: Uh, yeah. I mean, so I I especially because. First off, you know, we're not sure if the Best Ball Mania is going to fill. Right. Uh, so I think that probably we're going to com- be competing against a little bit, uh, you know, kind of fewer, fewer teams than the overall prize pool. Like I think as the prize pool gets or as the amount of entrance gets smaller, the more it is OK to use a roster spot on a handcuff. And I and I do think this is a scenario where there's a clear one, a clear two. You know, I don't think that. Uh, mike boone cj ham amir Abdullah. i don't think those guys are going to end up playing significant roles even if uh uh if alexander madison was the lead back basically
5: yeah and then our, our other option with this pick so we can pick uh jared goff which is a bit, bit of a reach we could gamble on goff or baker mayfield being available later um or we could draft Durrell henderson like Keyshawn vaughn more kind of zero rb type
4: targets so I think with both Higby and Cup, it would be sort of a disaster to get sniped on Goff. So I would rather take him here.
5: I definitely agree with you there. Uh, always a little bit concerned that some of the running backs just like go off the board. This is typically the range where you start to lose some of those guys. But I definitely agree, especially since we overpaid maybe a tiny bit for Higby. We got Cup at a pretty efficient price, but the double stack is is pretty nice. And obviously, we need a bounce back season from Goff.
4: Yeah, and I mean, you know, the Rams were not as bad as people remember, right? They were 7th in the NFL in points scored. They were 11th in the NFL in yards gained. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I I think golf is fine.
5: They, They had some smash weeks, too. And I think that's the other thing is you definitely want the offenses that can get into those shootouts too. So um, they had some really big weeks. You're not relying on Goff for all of your points. We definitely have a really good floor quarterback with Tom Brady that has some built-in ceiling as well. So uh, I think it's good. I think it's definitely the right move for us to to reach a tiny bit for Goff.
4: So kind of mapping out our next couple picks, we are probably going to hope to get, you know, a couple of Boston Scott, Tony Pollard, uh, DeAndre Washington, Jarek McKinnon, Lynn Bowden Jr. Some of those, uh, you know, preferably we would get some guys who have uh, some standalone value as well as massive contingent value at the next turn. Uh, we probably in a, in the later rounds, you know, we can target uh, OJ Howard. We can target Josh Reynolds. Uh, we could even take uh, Gerald Everett with our, with our 18th pick or whatever, as well as we wanted. Like there are, I think there, or even, Scotty Miller or Justin Watson with our final selection. If we wanted to build in uh, a little bit, uh, a little bit of, you know, Mike Evans injury, uh, you know, uh, maybe Chris Godwin plays on the outside. They need a slot wide receiver or something like that.
5: Yeah. Yeah. I think those are all options. We are set up right now is two quarterbacks, three running backs, five wide receivers, one tight end, And we did invest decent amount of draft capital into those wide receivers, really solid five wide receiver set. So uh, I think we're we're really hoping that some of these running back targets are still there. If they all get sniped, we're definitely going to be in a little bit of a, a dicey like position at running back where we have to gamble on people. Uh, one of the guys who's been falling way down the boards on reports that he may start the season on pup and may not be available until after week six is Sony Michelle. Um, I think him and Damien Harris are both pretty interesting guys um, just as far as potential uh, guys that could have bigger roles for condensed periods of time uh, versus having like value throughout the season so um, michelle if he's there like in the 12th round at like 12.9 which sometimes he is now um is a guy that i think is pretty interesting too a guy that i've ended up taking more lately than i was earlier in the season despite the news kind of suggesting that like it's not optimal news in his favor i think he's falling to a point where it can still be a decent draft pick
4: uh, yeah, I mean, I do not take Sony Michelle very often. I, I prefer Damian Harris at the same cost. I prefer Rex Burkhead, uh, you know, basically 16th, 17th, 18th round to the cost. Because I, I, I mean, just my, my general philosophy is don't bet on injured players to get healthy in season. But then uh, it, with all of the craziness due to COVID-19 and everything, like I just like guys who are going to, you know, for sure are going to have multiple weeks of zeros feel because we're we're just gonna get unexpected weeks of zeros from guys. I think I think that's gonna be a pretty common thing in best ball this year. So do do not feel great about Sony Michelle.
5: Yeah, yeah. I mean I think that's fair. I just think I mean you see like AJ Dillon going before him, and um, he's at a minimum second, perhaps third on the pecking order. So I think they're you're you're drafting zeros in some cases from these guys, anyways. Um, but I, I get the point with it's not a guaranteed zero, because it's not a guarantee he's going to start the season there either. But um, I get the point. Yeah. Uh,
4: and, I mean, certainly there is a, a role where, you know, Sonny Michelle is playing with a running quarterback. It opens up lanes. They're going to be near the goal line a lot more. Like, I, I can see things working out for Sonny Michel. I'm just really unimpressed with him as a player. Yeah. Uh, think that he's got a lot of external pressure on touchdowns and touches. Like, I just – I prefer Damian Harris.
5: Yeah. So, um, coming up, you know, we definitely – need running backs um at some point sony michelle chase edmonds are some of the guys that are available there along with adrian peterson justin jackson um and it it gets gutted pretty quickly so i definitely think we're gonna need to take a running back at 12.9 if we didn't we could consider a tight end like austin hooper um noah fant um and the wide receivers available will be like brashad perriman um which I think is a pretty interesting guy. I end up overexposed to in these drafts, but not a guy in this roster that I think we need to draft. I think ideally we're hoping Chase Edmonds is is there in three picks.
4: Yeah, uh, and then I think we go running back again with our back end selection. Uh, so I think I think we do go Edmonds here for sure. And then you know I, I think that then we get in the group of well is DeAndre Washington available or has he already been selected?
5: Oh, he's way off the
4: board. Okay. So, I mean, he's a guy who like his you got to be drafting with people who are good because his you have to search for him. Right. Because his ADP is right about one forty five now on underdog. You know, so so he he doesn't always it's so interesting, like the guys who are freshly valuable always end up getting by selected by someone who's on top of it because you have to be like literally sitting there in the draft like you got to go search for him.
5: And one of the nice things about underdog is you can upload your projections directly into the site. And we do offer projections for free at sportsgrid.com. So if you want access to Davis's projections, daily road of model projections, you can get those, you can download those to a spreadsheet, can upload your rankings into underdog. And so, yeah, a lot of people aren't doing that and are drafting off the ADP or whoever is viewable on the mobile app. But the guys who do upload rankings definitely have a big leg up when there's new shifts like DeAndre Washington. So um, definitely, definitely think that the people are reaching on those guys are doing it for a reason. They're not just kind of control F thing their way to find them.
4: Yeah. So who do we have? Uh, so, at, so do we take chase Edmonds?
5: Yeah. So we got chase Edmonds, which I feel good about. Um, and then the next guys at running back, is going to be 13.4. Sony, Michelle, Adrian Peterson, Justin Jackson, Naheem Hines, Devontae Freeman, Darrington Evans, Joshua Kelly, Jamal Williams, Anthony McFarland. So, not a lot of really good I, options I would here. take
4: Jarek McKinnon here if I was, if I was drafting uh, uh, on my own.
5: Yeah. Um. And I, I know, it feels like a reach for McKinnon. I mean, it's definitely the an anti-Matic profile of player. Um. Oh, I guess Tariq Cohen is the other guy who's still available.
4: Well, so we already we're gonna, have...
5: We're going to take Tariq Cohen if All he's right. available here. I no, mean, we... you want Jarek McKinnon? He's going to be a third-down back at best, and you don't even know that for sure on a run-heavy offense. And Tariq wait Cohen... until
4: he—no, he's beating out Mostert and Coleman straight up, dude. <laughs> the Jet—he's <laughs> the Jet. Yeah.
5: I, so i do I don't—I don't mind Jarek McKinnon, and especially on this type of roster where we went like a couple early and then we waited for a mm-hmm. while. But um, I mean, his upside is what Tariq Cohen already is, in my opinion.
4: Uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I think that McKinnon plays in a way better offense and McKinnon does have some upside to, you know, McKinnon has some upside to get to being a lead back and Cohen has none of that. Like McKinnon has been a lead back before and I think he could do it again.
5: Yeah. I mean, it it seems really unlikely though, like uh, m- multiple injuries need to happen and not just one, like I, one, he sneaks into like a timeshare potentially, but he needs, you know, two guys to go down in order to actually get into like the goal line role.
4: Uh yeah, I mean that's that's probably fair, but we're just we're just here to be optimistic on players I like and pessimistic on players I don't like. <laughs> one uh, of the one
5: one of the stacks that we missed on, and if it, if we'd known it had fallen there, we probably would have not reached on um Brady a little bit, but Josh Allen ended up going in like the ninth round, and uh, you could get the Brown Allen stack in like Eight, nine, ten, and that's a really yeah. good value in some of these drafts because, uh, especially like Diggs, is reasonably cheap too. So I, I do think the Bills' stacks are um, pretty interesting from a value perspective. You just can't plan on it because they're not always there.
4: Uh, yeah, I I think that, like that's a that's a stack that has super high spiked week potential. Like they're going to be some like John like John Brown is just going to stack up weeks of like five points, but like he's also going to have sure. a couple weeks of. 35 and then you know the weeks where john brown and and Diggs you know don't do a ton that probably means that josh allen is going to get there via rushing so i i like that one um i like that one a good bit yeah
5: and it's always interesting to see how far certain guys fall and try to understand whether it's stacking related the guy who's fallen quite a bit this this um draft is daniel jones is still kind of on the forward going into the 14th round um and Baker Mayfield is still there as well so we we definitely could have potentially waited on Goff not a guarantee and I think it was right to take him but it's potential two round reach for us to, to to take him in this scenario
4: yeah I think the I think that seems uh right about right so we are at two quarterbacks we have five running backs five wide receivers and one tight end so I think that uh with our next pick we are probably looking at uh, one tight end, you know, hopefully OJ Howard probably. And then I I also like Herb Smith Jr. as another late round tight end. And then depending on the values, a running back or a wide receiver.
5: Yeah. I mean, I think if you wanted McKinnon on this team, this would be the spot to take him. Um, Yeah. 14.9 roughly where he would go. And I think with this specific team, I think like a two, six, eight, two formation would be ideal. There aren't, Really, any other running backs? I feel great about later. So, I'm um, hoping we get McKinnon here, and then we can both leave a little happy. We got Cohen, we got the poor man's Cohen, and, and we're just loaded up.
4: Yeah, uh, you know the the McKinnon rocket ship. You you definitely want to be on board. Don't do not be leaving Jarek McKinnon to your uh, to your league mates. But yeah, I mean, I feel good. We have a couple stacks. We have a couple backdoor stack options here. Ah, uh, can even close the loop on Tom Brady with uh, Justin Watson or Scotty Miller a little bit later. Uh, O.J. Howard is, uh, I think, a, a really a good asymmetrical upside selection where he's going to play a little bit, probably lux into three or four touchdowns on uh, you know an equilibrium basis, but has upside for more if anything happens to Gronk. But we are going to go ahead and head into our final break here on the Daily Roto Hour on Sports Grid TV. When we return, we will close the show out with uh, our full drafted team and uh, leave you guys with our thoughts on how it went so see you guys in just a few minutes on the other side of break
3: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com
0: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: What's up, everybody?
0: This is Stephen A. Smith.
1: When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics
2: And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Hello, everyone, and welcome into our final segment here on the Daily Roto Hour on SportsGrid TV. I am Davis Maddock, joined by Colin Drew. We are wrapping up our underdog Best Ball Mania championship team. I think this actually is the championship team, Colin. Uh, so why don't you why don't you read for the people what we got here? It's
5: going to be a tough battle between our Mahomes triple stack and this team here. But we did, get, did pretty well. We got some good correlations going. So Tom Brady, quarterback. Jared Goff, the quarterback. Both of those guys we reached maybe a round or two on in ADP to complete stacks, which I think we both felt was appropriate. At the running back position, we've got both Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madison. We've got James Conner as our RB2. And then we've got some upside guys that don't necessarily have roles. Chase Edmonds, Jarek McKinnon, Daryl Williams, I think has a a lot of potential if he does end up sticking with the ones, even in a part-time role. And we've got Tariq Cohen as kind of the the missionary play, giving us a little bit of a safe floor. At wide receiver, we got Godwin with Brady. We've got O.J. Howard at tight end with Brady. He was a late pick for us that I think has asymmetrical upside. Tyler Lockett, Cooper Cup, Michael Gallup, Jarvis Landry, Josh Reynolds. Miles Boykin and Tyler Higby. So we've got a little bit of a Rams onslaught here, which I think has potential. And then we've got the the Bucks stack as well. Um I thought we did pretty good, at least with the quarterbacks, we might have reached on them, but we offset them with some decent values as far as the the guys we got them stacked with.
4: Yeah, and I mean, you know, really the I I know it's it's fun to just draft everyone who falls by seven slots or whatever and and you know, feel like you got a great value on everyone, but at the end of the day, the teams that are going to project the best in when you like, assuming your team was good enough to make it to rounds, uh, you know, to make it to the playoff rounds, the weeks 13, 14, 15, 16, you are just when you're you're sweating those, you're just clearly going to want, you know, the the best possible stacks like you just you just want to have your dudes racking up the points, especially in this format, by the way. I think it may be a little bit different in full PPR, but touchdowns are king in this format. And and so racking up those, you know, four or five uh, touchdown games with that offense is just going to be the biggest thing you want.
5: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And also just knowing if if like off ends up putting up a QB one, not the QB one, but a QB one season, um, you're going to have those guys rotating through big weeks at the wide receiver and tight end position. So uh, you're going to end up kind of capitalizing on Goff and also providing a little bit of a floor at the positional level. So I think that's kind of the underrated benefit of Stacks. It's not just the, the offense in general. It does produce ceiling. It also produces some week to week floor, which is important just to advance out of that, you know, the the weeks one through 13 round.
4: All right, everyone, thank you very much for listening and watching to the Daily Roto Hour here on SportsGrid TV. This has been Davis Maddock and Colin Drew live drafting a Best Ball Mania championship team on Underdog Fantasy. Hope this was useful. Hope this is helpful. We will see you back next week.
3: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com
0: if you love sports and true crime then there's a new podcast from executive producer dan patrick and hosted by me jay harris that you won't want to miss
2: And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Store on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick